0: Welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion, so come on with me and let's do this. This episode continues my month of interviewing authors, but actually, it's gonna be more than just a month because you guys have recommended so many incredible authors, and to my surprise, they've all said yes. (laughs) They've all agreed to be on the podcast. So we've got a whole slew of really incredible authors who are also creatives and entrepreneurs, and they're going to share their stories with us. So I'm super stoked for that. Today, we've got Martha Collison coming up and a cameo from Rachel Koo. So get excited. (laughs) Earlier this week, I shot a video for my YouTube channel with the wonderful Rachel Koo. If you're in my world, then Rachel needs no introduction. But if you're not familiar, just know that she's a very popular cookbook author and television personality. I am in the kitchen of Rachel Koo right now because we just shot a video. Hi, Rachel. Hey. Thanks for having me to your kitchen. And what did we just make for the video? We made a cardamom bun bomb from the little Swedish kitchen. It was a follow-up to the Swedish bun and fika video we shot together in Stockholm last year. This time, Rachel showed me how to make a recipe from her newest cookbook out July 2018 called The Little Swedish Kitchen. And this is your sixth cookbook. Yes, it's... I can't believe it. I'm like, I've been doing this for quite a while now. I'm like eight years or so? Is there a way to encapsulate what has changed from writing this cookbook to your first cookbook? So my first two cookbooks were, firstly, they were French. They they were
1: French language cookbooks, not French food cookbooks, but written in French. And they were just about like a subject. So one was about muesli and granola and another one was about making homemade Nutella and spreads like that. So it wasn't really personal. And since then, book uh, three, four, five and six have all kind of been chapters in my life, like a personal journey. So I feel my cookbooks now are all about a little time in my life you know where i explore things and i learn things and i try to take people on a journey with me food for
0: me should be enjoyable it's so important i couldn't agree more rachel it has been so much fun shooting this video with you today and i would love if you would come back on the podcast another time would you do that uh yes please (laughs) sign me up now (laughs) okay awesome i'm gonna go eat my cardamom bum bum enjoy I can attest to the deliciousness of that cardamom bun bomb. By the way, I got a response to my Instagram story from posting about that video shoot with Rachel saying, cardamom bun bomb. I think I found the name for my future band. <laughs> that is a great band name, isn't it? Uh, that was at Car Cho. Caroline, I think that is a great idea for a band, but Rachel might want a commission for that. Just heads up. <laughs> Today's guest is Martha Collison. At 17 years old, Martha was the youngest person ever to compete on the Great British Bake Off. And not only compete, but she was a finalist. If you're listening in America, it's called the Great British Baking Show. And if you're not aware of what that is... Again, I could easily assume that you do, but you know what they say about assuming. So, The Great British Bake Off is a cultural phenomenon of a television show, a BBC baking competition show that swept the UK and then America and worldwide. It's on Netflix, check it out. Martha's episode was four years ago. She's 21 now, and she is now a twice-published cookbook author, with her 2014 cookbook, Twist, creative ideas to reinvent your baking, and more recently, just last year, Crave. In it, each chapter tackles how to satisfy whatever you're craving, from chocolate to spice to citrus and everything in between. I reached out to Martha to be a guest on the pod when one of you recommended that she come on as a guest for Author Month, and it is killing me that I can't seem to find Who recommended? Martha, I want to give you a shout out, but I can't remember, was it via Twitter or Instagram, my Instagram or the podcast's Instagram? I searched and I couldn't find it. But if you're listening, you know who you are and thank you so much for the recommendation. In this episode, Martha and I talk about how she comes up with concepts for her cookbooks and how she gets inspiration for new recipes constantly. She also reflects on her time on the Great British Bake Off, imposter syndrome, her relationship to savory food aside from the baking that she's known for, and how she sees social media impacting her career. Here's my conversation with Martha Collison. Hi, Martha. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Good. Thank you for coming over. Oh, thanks for having me. In honor of you making the trip over, I made your malted millionaire slices. Mm, they look
1: so good. I
0: have been tasting them the entire <laughs> making of them. Let's <laughs> just try this thing. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have a bite. a Mmm. Mm. <laughs> i made a mess over here i'm gonna be able to talk for a good know, few minutes no. now i like chewy caramel i know
1: me too it's, it would be great if you have like a nice mug of tea and you don't need to speak to anyone for a good like 50 minutes Do you a bit of me time <laughs>
0: yeah exactly when you just need your me time yeah go for the Something chewy very caramel <laughs> this recipe is from your new cookbook crave. It is, yeah. It's such a fun concept because it's all the things that you crave and it's like, for my cravings anyway, very specific in terms of what I'm craving. <laughs> and I love how your cookbook like points you to exactly like craving this kind of thing, go to this Here's chapter. Here's a whole
1: chapter. Yeah. I know that's what I loved about it because I kind of thought the general way that people go about baking is you think about what you feel like eating and then you make something. Can I, it's so simple, but actually there wasn't a book out there that just did exactly that, which just said, if you're craving this, here's how you can make something (laughs) in less than 15 minutes. Here's how you can make something in under an hour. And here's how you make something that will kind of take your whole afternoon, but
0: will definitely be worth it. So I kind of based it on that idea. Having an expectation of knowing whether it's a quick recipe or a long recipe mm. that's all you need is just to know how much time yeah, to carve out
1: sometimes if you're craving something you need it right now and you're not going to wait for your whole thing to set so sometimes with things like this which take maybe like an hour of his little tips in the book like make a very small piece and just put it in the fridge straight away so you can eat it <laughs> much quicker that's or you can just it. eat it as you're making it i mean that's
0: another totally. option <laughs> which is exactly what i did okay so i have hopped way to the present i of course know you from The Great British Bake Off. For those of you who don't know, Martha is the youngest ever Great British Bake Off contestant. And of course, in America, it's Great British Baking Show. It is indeed. I don't even know why. It just has a different name. You know what I heard? It's because Pillsbury trademarked oh, some term. The term Bake, Bake Off. off. I, think, <laughs> I think so. Which seems like a, trademark
1: anything these days.
0: <laughs> evidently, right? <laughs> That's
1: so funny. I never knew that. I was just like, I don't know. They yeah. tell
0: When they announced it, they were kind of like, oh, it doesn't translate well. I was like, What? What? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So at 17 years old in 2014, you were on the Great British Bake Off and you made it, you were like the last handful of contestants. You made it to the finals. Yeah, I literally
1: could not believe my luck because, well, a little bit of everything, but...
0: When I met all of
1: the contestants from my series, before I met everyone, you kind of have like a couple of weeks to when you find out the recipes and do a bit of practicing. And then there's the first week. And I remember walking in and just... In my head, I'd been like, oh, there'll be a few university students. There'll be a few people in their 20s. I walked in and kind of looked out of the room and I was like, OK, that's not the case. Like they very well emphasised that I'm very young and everyone else is not old, but they're a lot older than me. They've made a big age gap. So I was 17. The next youngest person, I think, was 32, which wow. isn't old, but is a there's a big world away from 17 and i just remember thinking everyone here has so much experience and so much like life knowledge and so much time to learn that i don't stand a chance i was like i really need to get practicing (laughs) so i was amazed every week when someone went that wasn't me i was like how how am I still here? Like, how am I doing?
0: Surviving through this—that's incredible. So, do you think the fact that you were so nervous and like I don't know as much as these people that that actually helped you because then between the weeks of shooting, you would like really work hard. Do you think in a in a weird way, feeling like you were an underdog, help you get further? Kind
1: of, but I don't know. I guess I underestimated myself. So when I met everyone, I just doubted myself massively like How, do I know do I know stuff about baking like yeah. compared to this p- grandma who's been baking for like 50 years do I know anything but I actually kind of found through the process that I did know stuff and like I loved food like A-level and GCSE and I'd learned a lot from that and I'm a proper like, food geek like I like follow so many food accounts I'd watch so many food programs I love reading cookery books <laughs> so I just knew a lot of stuff but very geekily but I underestimated myself when I met everyone. I thought, how will I stand up to this pressure? And I had exams going on at the same time. And it was such, like, when I think back to it now, I can't actually believe I I got are through you, it and are, stayed yeah. mentally safe. You know, what? I'm
0: actually, like, relieved to hear you say that because I think that about you have like how this this is incredible like this is like superhero status <laughs> oh, but so it's actually kind of cool to hear you be like i don't know how i did it no either. i honestly don't because
1: people often say we tweet which are like i'm studying for my ASs, but every time i think that martha was on paper i'm studying for hers i don't even know how she did it and i'm sitting there like i don't know how i did it <laughs> i
0: don't know and isn't that how that always works though too that when you are in it you are capable of so much more than like you might think you would be. So looking back on it, you're like, heck It's yeah. very instinctive.
1: It was like, yes, instinctive. I need to do this. And I loved the technical challenges the most because I felt like the other two challenges depended quite a lot on how much time you had to practice during the week and whether you had a full-time job or kids or you're retired or you're doing exams it made a big difference in how many times you'd made it so I'd turn up sometimes like I've only made it once and it didn't work out very well what am I going to do and other people be like I've made it six times yeah. like, oh, f- good for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> wonderful makes me feel a lot better but the technical challenge was just like everyone on the same playing field of no one's seen it no one's practiced it you just do it and I, being a food geek, was like, I knew, they were my favorite because I just felt like I knew stuff. So I'd yeah. open the thing and i am like, yes. That is so cool. <laughs> I've read this. Even if I hadn't made it, I generally would have just seen it somewhere on social media and gone, oh, I'd, I'd like be intrigued. as such a curiosity thing. And I'm like, I'm so curious as to how people make these. I would have done a bit of research. I found that quite helpful.
0: Okay, so I have to ask, four years ago, you were on the show. And obviously it was huge and was the initial launching of your career. And that is so freaking cool. Are you like super sick of talking about British break (laughs) up now? Do you know what? I actually, now it's been four years.
1: I don't get asked about it as much so I don't really mind actually talking about it but there was a time probably two years after where it was like enough nope is enough yeah like I've told the <laughs> I've same told stories everything <laughs> I have to say I don't have anything else to add like yeah or we, I did a lot of food festivals over that period as well and you just get asked all the same questions and I kind of I love interacting with people but when you're just like who's nicer Paul or Mary it's like oh shoot me <laughs> yeah. yeah I can it's only just imagine it's kind of repetition like it, about any topic if it was you it gets to you because right. you're just like i just don't want to talk about it. Anymore. oh totally
0: <laughs> totally i
1: so get that so thank you for oh, talking no. about but it about here it's kind of like refreshing it's okay because i don't People would ask me every single day. <laughs> well,
0: and it is, it's like such a cool way to begin a career because it is so atypical. It's as atypical as it gets. Like when you think of the quote unquote path to get anywhere, like you were just saying that initially your path would have been to go to uni and mm-hmm. study XYZ. And as it is... You have taken the reins of this (laughs) opportunity, and it seems to me like you're just riding it. And do feel like I'm riding a wave. Yeah, (laughs) totally riding a wave, but I think in a really positive way. All the stuff you do with charity, it's so... It's really awesome that you're not just like riding the wave on your own behalf. I mm. feel like you're lifting other people with you on your wave, which makes me like hope the wave keeps going I'm loving longer. This metaphor, is it, yeah. uh, <laughs> just <yeah. laughs> imagining me like surfing this wave. Yes,
1: serve it. I feel like I was really fortunate actually because the thing with bake up is it takes people from all walks of life and kind of gives you this newfound opportunity. And everyone else in my series absolutely loved them, but everyone has kind of more than one passion. Like, oh, I was a builder and I also love baking. Yeah. or I was a fashion designer but also like baking whereas for me all I wanted to do was food so I was at school going I want to study food and I didn't think that Bake Off would be part of that and even when I was on it I didn't think it would become a career I just thought that it was a good experience and I'd still end up going to uni because as soon as I would have gone to uni you're not eligible to even apply because I would have had a qualification in food so I just felt like it was perfect timing for me to actually really gain loads of good stuff from it
0: Something that I think is fascinating too about your story is that You were kind of the first generation, if you will, to be familiar with The Great British Bake Off when you went on it and actually be inspired by previous seasons. That's so cool that you were a part of the thing that inspired you and now you're continuing to inspire others and it's just kind of like the beautiful circle of life.
1: It was so exciting to be on it, having grown up learning so much from it, because it wasn't a huge thing when it was kind of in its early series. So like one, two, three. I loved it. I was straight in right from the beginning, just learning so many skills. And it really kind of brought baking to the front of people's minds. And it used to be quite like a thing that your grandparents did. And it wasn't that current. Like people liked baking, but it was a bit kind of, it hadn't had its moment.
0: totally. (laughs) And
1: then it kind of just erupted. And it's been really cool to see such a movement of people starting to home bake again.
0: And would you say that your passion specifically, you're you're talking about how much you love food. Does that also go to cooking or is it like baking specifically?
1: Uh, That is, yeah, that is a bit of a... uh, Secretive question because no one ever expects me to actually enjoy cooking as well. But when I entered Bake Off, cooking and baking were very much one to me. I loved cooking just as much as I love baking. But Bake Off obviously sends you in one, into one area quite specifically. But I've actually found it quite good because my job seems to be baking. So I write baking recipes. I talk about baking. I love baking. But I relax by cooking because kind of cooking and baking used to be my therapy, but now baking is a job. It's nice to have cooking as something, which is what I do in my downtime. I think at some point I'd like to kind of merge them into one, but at the moment it's so nice to have that escape where I go and cook a roast dinner and feel like I'm not under scrutiny and no one's going to be like... It's a a bake-off cake. It's just a bake-off roast.
0: Let's say you're entertaining. Okay. What's your go-to meal to make? Mm, That's a really good question. Like having a couple friends over, nothing like, you know, super fancy. Nothing super fancy.
1: Well, I am a sucker for a good themed event. So any, (laughs) any event where I could like mold food into it. So my fiance is very like sporty and into that kind of thing. So when the World Cup is coming up in the next couple of weeks, I was like... We can have World Cup parties only if I can make the food that corresponds with the country. (laughs) It's like when England play Belgium, we're gonna have a whole like little belgian feast and i was yes. like yes i'm totally down because i love the challenge and when it was eurovision we had a big kind of portuguese huge trays of prairie prairie chicken big salads and i love that kind of thing because i just love like working to a brief it sounds really geeky but no it's so fun it's so much fun and it makes like the event accessible to everyone because not everyone loves eurovision not everyone loves football but everyone loves food everyone <laughs> loves food it is the
0: ultimate connector <laughs>
1: definitely um congratulations i being engaged? Oh, thank you! I well, stumbled over the word, and I was like, "Fiance." I know. Dude.
0: So I was engaged for like a year before we got married, yeah. and that entire year, it never felt comfortable saying the word I'm fiance. It never
1: feel comfortable. And so
0: then I would say it like fiance. Yeah. I would say it super awkwardly it's and like bring even more attention to it. I know. It feels like you're just like
1: like setting off like a balloon or a can of every time you say it like yeah. fiancé and was like wow congratulations <laughs> thanks
0: hilariously when it finally became like normal to say was after we were married because then <laughs> husband felt kind of weird yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. it's like oh fiancé rolls all the time but hu-
1: yeah. husband it's exactly <laughs> the right amount of time just to get used to it before it changes again exactly <laughs> so yeah, thank you <laughs> yeah
0: is he into food he is now
1: <laughs> amen he wasn't when we first met but the more we spent time together and the more I would talk about food And he'd try the things That I would make He he knew it would be rude Not to eat things That I'd made So if I'd made something That had something in it He used to kind of be like Oh I don't really like mango He would just try it And then he's like This is amazing Why did I not like mango I was like Yes I don't
0: know Good man
1: Good man (laughs) He's more adventurous Than me now We'd be out we have just been come back From Portugal And he's the one That's like Let's try these Chicken hearts I'm like what (laughs) wow (laughs) What that is quite the evolution
0: (laughs) um okay so so now that you are a twice published cookbook author big congrats because that's huge yeah that is
1: something i definitely would never have imagined in a million years would happen to me
0: (laughs) yeah no it's so cool because it's like a one-off you know publishing thing like Mm. i mean that is still a huge accomplishment in and of its own right but if a second one comes around that means well people liked the first one. Yeah and
1: that's such a lovely feeling and I still think there's nothing better than when I get a little Instagram message or something and someone's made something from the book even right now I'm just amazed because when you write a book you kind of feel like it's just yours and you have it which is wonderful a bit like a project that you've done but like a really professional one (laughs) and you don't really feel like anyone sees it but as soon as you see it in a shop or you someone sends you a message like oh we've cooked this and I'm like really (laughs) that's amazing I love seeing it because it's kind of exactly what books are there to do to share your ideas and share your recipes and when people actually make the stuff
0: it sounds really simple but it feels really good yeah so two cookbooks in two you have come up with a ton of recipes. I know. (laughs) Like you have come up with many, many things to share with people. How the heck do you come up with all these things? Like do you have a brainstorming session? Is it just with yourself? Do you brainstorm with other people? What's your strategy to fuel that creative flame?
1: Mm, It does get difficult at times because... Like all things, there's a, like a limited amount of variation and different recipes out there. So suddenly you just, I do have days where you sit there and you just go, I can't think of anything else to write about. <laughs> it's because I have a um, a column with Waitrose, which I've been doing for the last probably two and a half, coming up to three years. And I do. Is, is it bi-weekly? So it started off being monthly and it'd be kind of two recipes monthly, but now it's weekly. Oh, wow. Um, And it's like kind of two, one slash two recipes weekly. And you just kind of sometimes sit there and just go, I don't think there's anything left to make in the world. Like, I can't think of a single other thing that so I how, could do. How, how
0: do you get inspiration? Because, like, that's really understandable, that feeling that you yeah. have. But, like, how do you get around that? Because you still have to turn He's, in yeah. the column to the
1: editor. Like <laughs> I think it's definitely a case of... A little bit of travel. So every time I go traveling or go on holiday, I have my eyes completely peeled for what's new, what's around, what do people eat here? Um, So I love that side of things. And then the internet is an amazing tool. You have to use it wisely because it can... I don't obviously just look at a recipe and go that sounds wonderful I'll just do that because right. <laughs> that would definitely be copying but <laughs> yeah, well, but it's a difficult line to bridge because you're kind of like oh that's a lovely idea Yeah, Do I like create they're...
0: my own version totally. do I start
1: afresh it's so yeah. difficult the line
0: between inspiration and mm, verging on copying but I love what you're saying about finding inspiration from travel yeah
1: definitely because
0: that is huge yeah and so you had just mentioned too that you and your fiancé and you, you and your fiancé okay.
1: I <laughs> we just went to
0: Portugal, yes. and you hopped around all these cities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me major highlights of the trip, food wise or non food wise.
1: Food wise, it was all about the custard tarts, the pastel de nata. Oh heck yeah! <laughs> when we got there, I said to Michael, "I was like, I plan on having at least one a day." And he looked at me like, "You're crazy," because he had never had one, and he thought they were just like any other little pastry. And then we started having at least one a day. And then he was like, okay, these are these are exceptional. Like, these are really good. Because they, they're literally, they're, they sell them warm. You can, like, in most shops, you can watch them making them. And they cost, like, a euro. So it means every time you walk past, it's like, it's just one. I can just pop in Euro. and I can just squeeze yeah. that in, <laughs> and it's pretty
0: small, so it's like won't ruin your appetite exactly. for dinner or whatever. Yeah. They're very dangerous,
1: but they we are. had a really nice time, like just testing them all out and doing a little rating and seeing yes. which are the nicest ones, because people like to know, like where you get the nicest ones. Yeah, from. and they are
0: all a little different too, yeah. and so part of it comes down to like it's. It's subjective, which one is the best one. Because it's like, well, what do you like? Do you like a really eggy tasting custard? Do you like a sweeter?
1: Do you like thick pastry? Do you like really thin, flaky pastry? Yeah, Yeah. it's very much subjective, but like... There were some that were just like miles ahead. Of them okay, so what's of your
0: days. what's your number one?
1: The best ones, I think, from a place called I think you pronounce it Mantier-Garia? Oh,
0: yes, yeah,
1: definitely the best. They had one in Porto and one in Lisbon. I
0: went to the one in Lisbon, but I've I've never been to Porto. Yeah, so oh, now it's I really go. nice.
1: Yeah, so they have a shop there as well, and those oh. ones they're just. The consistency is what was amazing. So we must have probably had about, like, at least 12 from that, that shop. epic. <laughs> and they were all just as good. Whereas we went to um, Belém, where they're mm-hmm. originally from, and everyone had been hyping this up, like, these are going to be the best ones ever. And they were they were good, but they weren't, like, comparable. They were kind of... Yeah. They were slightly a little... For me, they were a bit too eggy, but mm-hmm. it was amazing because people had been like, these are the ones. And it right. was like, I think... I don't agree, yeah. but I felt actually quite scared to announce that I didn't yeah. agree. <laughs> it's
0: kind of intense. Are you pro putting a little shake of cinnamon on top or anti? I think I'm
1: pro. Okay. But, but if but generally, if we like sat in the cafe, then we'd put it on. But yeah. if we were just taking them away, we'd just leave them naked. That's what
0: yeah. I did too. That's what I did too. And yeah. actually I did a YouTube video about the trip to Lisbon. And I guess I didn't like show putting cinnamon on top. Like when I was at these cafes, I got some hater comments like it's amazing why didn't hate. you yeah it's like <laughs> you didn't show the cinnamon on top that's the best part and i was like okay i'm sorry i i swear i put it on yeah. <laughs> So or just like them plain or, like, or i like them plain <laughs> i saw some of your photos from the trip on instagram they were beautiful oh, it was really nice how much do you consider like photography and Instagram like a part of your job now
1: a bigger part than I initially assumed so when just straight after Bake Off I already had kind of Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts and they suddenly all went crazy they all became very popping and I was like oh my word like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt so much pressure on what I posed before and whereas all the other contestants didn't have accounts at that point and it was a, quite a new thing so was like four years ago it wasn't the platform that it is today um, and then I've just tried to evolve with it. And I feel like being young, it's quite nice because you feel like social media has always been a part of my life to an extent. So it's not such a minefield because I kind of see where it, how it works. Yeah. Um, and it has to an extent, I kind of see the, the value on only really posting general food or very nice travel pictures rather than everything that I eat. Because I follow some people who I love and they'll just post a picture of like, every meal. And it creates like a very different feel about it I want it to be really authentic but at the same time I'll only post pictures of things that like look nice yeah. <laughs> I think yeah uh, and then insta stories I love because that's where you get kind of like the day-to-day nitty- day yeah, real life something that didn't work yeah <laughs> that kind of thing so I love what instagram's kind of evolved into in terms of the stories and the feed different parts of it because I think that works really well for both because it is weird when it becomes kind of your business and your work or if you work with a brand because you have to create exactly what they want and it has to work with everything else you posted and it becomes it's a whole new game that never existed like even like Two or three years ago, this whole influencer situation didn't exist.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How do you see your career evolving with the social media situation? Do you want to try and be like more of an Instagram? Because you also do a lot of traditional type of work, like the Waitrose column you were talking about. And because I think we probably both have a lot of friends or peers in this industry Mm. who like just do the social media thing. And that is their career because it is possible to just have a career on social media. So do you like having one foot in it and one foot out of it? Or do you see yourself and everywhere going that way?
1: I like having one foot in and one foot out. Because I think the thing with a lot of social media is you never know what's going to happen to it or where it's going to go. And I do really like it, but it can become a bit all-consuming, especially if you use it socially with normal friends and like relatives and then you use it for work as well it can just get a bit much so I love having like one foot in and then kind of using it to complement the other work that I do so I love like going to like real meetings and working with waitrose and working with charities and I kind of I feel like I have my fingers in lots of different things because like partly for my own health it's really nice to meet different people and be involved in different projects it's good for your soul I think S- and, do do Italy, loads of stuff. Yeah. and it's fun <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you never know it because the thing with me is I'm so young and I because I don't have a degree or anything it's kind of everything I do is exploring and is getting experience so generally when I kind of start working with people I'm just looking for experience of how that area works and I've learned so much going along the way about food styling photography and writing and editorial stuff and it's been so fascinating and I love that it's allowed me to learn because there's so many things that I would never have even known existed if I'd taken maybe a more traditional route into this kind of thing. You have such an
0: incredible perspective on this. It's almost like you're treating life as university, right? As like (laughs) each new opportunity is like a new class for you to learn from, which is incredible because, so the name of this podcast is Keep It Quirky and that comes out of the belief that we all need to keep it quirky. Like if you take things so darn seriously... (laughs) you're going to make yourself miserable and also not be as productive or as creative Mm. or as happy. So it seems like you kind of embody the keep it quirky vibes that I'm going for. (laughs) (laughs) How do you try to keep it quirky?
1: I think for me, how I keep it quirky is by keeping the passion alive. So I love food and it can be really easy to forget that if you get too caught up in some social media trends and you feel like oh I should really be doing that and then I have to snap myself out and go you don't need to be doing that just because everyone else is making rainbow bagels if that's not (laughs) what I feel like if that's not what I enjoy eating or that's not the style of food that I love or I follow a lot of bakers who do amazing stuff with sugar paste. And that just isn't me that I'm not very good at it. I don't really enjoy it. And you feel pressured sometimes to just go with things, but I have to kind of snap myself back in and say, you know, my passion is food and it's the stuff that I like to eat and the stuff that I like to make and the stuff that the people around me like to eat. And you have to stay true to yourself in that, I think a lot. And then everything else just follows on. So basically
0: you're saying stay true to yourself. I think so. Yeah. Do you ever find that being like a hard line to draw though because when everything's new and like oh everyone's doing that like how do you decide if you do or don't do that like how do you know what is being true to yourself and what is just doing the things that you have to do
1: i think if you don't feel joyful about jumping into something then it's probably not being true to yourself because i think you kind of secretly know whether you're gonna whether you're into something or not and Loads of food trends come along and I'm totally on board with it. Like I kind of, I'm really enjoying the kind of anti-clean eating wave and that kind of stuff. But then there's other stuff where I'm just like, you know what? Like maybe a freak shake isn't really my thing. And maybe like the whole rainbow everything isn't like my thing either and that's okay you don't need to be kind of like on everything because it actually can end
0: up making you look not very authentic no one loves everything yeah (laughs) and like people can kind of see through I feel like we're more transparent than we think we are (laughs) and our audience can like totally call (laughs) BS on us when we're like not stoked on something what was the experience like for you writing the second book versus the first book
1: the second book was a lot easier to write, I think, because I knew the process. The first one was like being thrown into the deep end of the swimming pool because I had no idea what it took to write a cookbook, how long it would take me, how much effort was involved. Even the fun parts, like the photography, I'd never been in a studio. I didn't know how it worked. And it was so cool to see after months and months and months of hard work and not leaving my kitchen to see the food just coming to life. So I loved the first book from the kind of everything's new and exciting side. But the second one, I felt like I had much more of a handle on what do I want this book to be? How do I want people to use it? What am I going to put into it? And I feel like for me, it's got more thought put into it and because I knew the process I was much more confident in kind of I can get this done to the deadline (laughs) I can't do this to the deadline more importantly yeah and I felt like I kind of had the cards a bit closer to my chest in terms of what I wanted to do with it which was really
0: nice would you write a third
1: um (laughs) I would love to at some point I feel like my energy has been taken up well and truly by the second one it's such a process like I had no idea on the expectation that comes with when the publisher says right we want you to write we need it in three months and to just be having to stop your entire life and just write recipes for three months and I had to do 110 recipes for both of the books wow it's like kind of like two a day (laughs) and they have to be that's two finished recipes yeah it was insane and you just have to kind of block out three months and say this I'm writing a book in this time or four months or however long and it's difficult to work in your personal life and any other bits of work that you have going alongside and I just feel like at this period for me being like planning a wedding and I've just moved to Brighton, so living in a new place, it would be the wrong time to launch straight into a humongous book project. And I want to have the right idea as well. I've got a few little ideas, but I want something which I'm really like passionate about and really keen to write. Because I think that's when you know you're writing a good book is when you're really excited to write it. I never want to be that person that's like, oh, I should write another book.
0: I imagine you had a lot of people who look up to you and who kind of maybe want to follow in your footsteps what do you tell people who approach you like that because your path was so unique it's hard to say oh just go on great british bake-off and then do really really well and impress the entire (laughs) nation Uh (laughs) so what do you tell people
1: obviously the whole bake-off element of my journey was quite niche like i would never have it's not really what i dreamed of doing like it was an amazing little extra thing that i got to do but i was never like i need to get on bake-off in order to be successful um for me it was just when I was young and I had a passion pursuing it when you're young, because there's no, I loved baking. So my parents were like, well, like, start selling your cakes. So I used to just sell cupcakes. I had like a really small little cupcake business, just selling to friends and family, but it gets the word out that you love baking and that you love food and you're serious about it. And I started like a little food blog back then as well, just to kind of document my recipes, get my ideas there, and just kind of to dabble in food writing. And at that point, I had no idea that that would end up being really instrumental to my future career. But I knew I enjoyed it. So I just had a go um, and put my thoughts out there. And you'd kind of then make friends through social media and you chat with people. And then kind of loved food tech at school. It always stood out to me. as like, this is my subject. So that's what I say to young people. I'm just like, you find that thing you enjoy at school. Or if you don't enjoy anything at school, you find that thing you enjoy. And really don't be like half-hearted about it. Like really pursue it because... What's the worst that can happen, really?
0: Yeah, that's such great advice. So much of the time you hear about the things that people loved when they were younger and then that once they became the quote-unquote adult yes I'm making air quotes right now (laughs) quote-unquote adult then you kind of stop doing the things that bring you joy and I'm not sure why that happens necessarily but like staying connected to what brings you joy never letting that go in the first place yes actually pursuing it
1: (laughs) pursuing it from that
0: place is like such an incredible thing
1: it's so true I mean I found it when I was at school I really wanted a career in food, but I didn't want to be a chef. I knew that I really respect chefs, but that's not kind of the path I want to take or the lifestyle I wanted to lead. But my teachers, I loved them, but they didn't really get it. They were just like, but if you don't want to be a chef, what are you going to do? what are you going to do in food? And yeah. like, I don't really know, but I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to see. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's so many jobs out like there that, that you would just have no clue existed. It's so true. And on top of it, what technology is doing right now, new jobs are opening up yes. all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. So just, I would just say don't box yourself in. Like if you've got a passion, don't try and be one very specific thing and niche yourself off too quickly. Kind of explore things and try and get experience I found that really helpful yeah you start to learn what you enjoy
0: Marla I feel like you're in such an interesting place because you are like self-aware that you are younger than a lot of people who have done similar things that you have done. So, like in this conversation, even you've mentioned a couple of times, like, I'm, you know, being the youngest. At the same time, you at this point have a lot of experience and you know a lot of things. Do you ever struggle with that? Like being a rock star businesswoman, <laughs> basically, and then being like, Oh, but I'm kinda young. Is there any tension in there for you? There's always a kind of a worry in the back of my mind that like you've already peaked <laughs> and then I'm
1: like but I'm only 21 I've got so much <laughs> life left to leave but I try not to look at it in that way because I feel like that can just make you feel a bit depressed right You're like oh the best time of my life has already come and gone <laughs> so I just think that's not the way to live your life it's not a very positive outlook to have so I kind of just take what's come my way and then make plans to like see where things go and enjoy other things in life so I have a few other things that I do that I adore and I love doing and it's about kind of not fixating too
0: much on a career to the point where you don't feel happy I think that's what I feel is really important so pursuing your passion and and being uh, obsessed with it to a healthy degree but then being able to separate and say you know what that is not my life yes that is my career and I love it but I have other things yeah I
1: I am not just like Martha from the Bake Off because I struggled with that identity thing for a long time where it was like everyone was just like oh you're Martha from the Bake Off and I was like
0: well yeah but also I do these other things. It's cool to, to hear how it's evolving for you and Martha I have a feeling that you it's like a fine wine you will just keep getting better oh, as you. it ages. <laughs> um, Martha thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh no thanks for having me it's Really, lovely. Really appreciate it and so nice to meet you. Yeah I knew. <laughs> Thank you again to Martha for being on the podcast podcast i really enjoyed talking with her uh, you should follow martha on instagram at martha collison that's two l's and as always hit me up with comments or suggestions at QKatie on instagram and twitter and at keep it quirky podcast for podcast specific things on instagram and thanks to my brother brian quinn for the theme song all right guys keep it quirky and i will see you right back here next week